0: topic of our Dhamma talk this evening is intuitive knowledge or intuitive uh, wisdom. Now, the philosophy of uh, you know, the Greeks and uh, you know, then later... Philosophers, certain European philosophers and North American philosophers, can be described as an effort to balance the world upon thought. And this is a statement made by Nolan Pliny Jacobson in his book, The Heart of Buddhist Philosophy, on page 45. And so, you know, what he does in, you know, in his book, he you know, discusses you near know, well, you know, parallels and differences you know, between you know, well uh, the philosophy of you know, the Greeks and you know, then uh, meditation practice. Now. The philosophy of the Greeks and later philosophers can be characterized by things such as abstract concepts, such as intellectual models, then certain abstract ideas, abstract theories, and then reason, and certainly, then, simply just a lot of thinking. Now, this kind of philosophy, then, certainly has been going on for over two thousand years. In general, is it, with some exceptions, is it helpful to? gets at, uh, or does it uh, lead to a penetration of ultimate reality? Yes or no. Or or an answer in between. (laughs) So, Jim, what's your opinion? Uh, uh, We've had some great mystics in the Western world uh, over the past two millennia. Yes. Yes, indeed, and that's why I said certainly you know, with some exceptions. <laughs> 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 and so, can you think of another you know, an exception? Spinoza. Pardon me, Spinoza. Spinoza, and you know, so, uh, his certain you know, teachings—how are they you know, contributing directly to you know, the penet- alter- penetration of the ultimate reality? Well, so I will take your word and read up more on Spinoza. Well, there's one clear example of a Greek philosopher who did mention things that are pretty much familiar to what we experience in the meditation practice, and this is Heraclitus. And one of his teachings was, or part of his philosophy was that you can never step into the same river twice. And so this is a philosophy of change. So at a very, very early point uh, in time did he realize you know, that formations uh, undergo uh, change and uh, so that this is a cardinal aspect of uh, human existence. And so in this uh, respect, he uh, very much, then uh, agreed you know, with uh, the teachings of uh, the Buddha. Now, so, through all these abstract concepts, models, ideas, theories, and thoughts, we do not, for the most part, do not gain any direct access to ultimate reality. And isn't it... That certainly in our you know, Vipassana you know, practice, you know, we are closer to you know, what we discussed in an earlier Dhamma talk, closer to Vipassana phenomenology. And certainly, you know, since this is certain you know, a movement you know, that is not certainly you know, well. Taking recourse to new theory, deduction, assumption, and certain so oh, great certain so theories, but rather it is about observing what is actually going on. Now, since we're you know, talking about certain intuitive knowledge, you know, well, you know, there are all sorts of knowledge you know, around, and certain. So, you know, the Buddha then distinguished three major forms and so the first one is knowledge based on thinking and the Pali technical term for this is cinta maya, panya. Panya means wisdom and cinta is thinking maya is dependent on or based on. So this kind of knowledge based on thinking is helpful in which fields of modern society? By Science. me? Science. Sciences, yes, indeed. Where else? Philosophy. philosophy, yes, indeed. And then for our... Very simple, everyday chores. We have to do a certain amount of thinking and planning to get things right. So this is useful, but this kind of ordinary thinking or knowledge arising based on thinking, does will it help us to penetrate the truth of Nibbāna? So, yes, Robert, uh, not really. And has in the course of this retreat the instruction be given, please spend your time thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Now, then, maybe the second form of uh, knowledge may help us a little bit more. The Buddha classified this as knowledge based on learning. The Pandi term for this is suttamayatna banya. Sutta here literally means hearing. So knowledge then arises based on having heard or participated in university lectures or having participated in classes, hearing certain knowledge being passed on from one generation to the next. Or in a wider sense, knowledge based on learning may also comprise things such as reading a book and then in this way acquiring plenty of knowledge. Or it might also occur in the form of a discussion and so on. Now. There are uh, uh, certain, uh, well, spiritual uh, traditions that uh, very much uh, emphasize uh, this knowledge uh, based on uh, learning, like uh, 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 or disputes certain uh, religious, uh, not religious, but. Uh, uh, our debates are kn- kn- taking place. Like in the kn- Tibetan tradition, it's kn- part of kn- the kn- Geshe program and kn- other kn- study kn- programs. And kn- so, kn- this kn- in itself, if we were to pursue, pursue just kn- this, would it help us to kn- realize kn- the ultimate truth of Nibbana? Mm. Again, not. Now. And certainly uh, the instruction here on the retreat is, uh, please uh, go down to BCBS and uh, 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 well loan as many books as you can and spend your time reading. Has this instruction ever been given? Not. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, so, um, instead, you know, the... Well, the hope is you know, that Satna you know, then and direct access to you know, the ultimate sudden you know, reality you know, will take place through you know, what the Buddha has termed knowledge based on mental development. Panya in the Pali scriptural language. So, Panya is your wisdom. is dependent on and bhavana. means certain mental development, and so this mental development can take place in two forms, namely through samatha, the meditation, so the meditation of calm, and certainly then vipassana, bhavana, so through insight. So, even though there is much knowledge being passed on at certain universities, at colleges, at schools, and in in other uh, arenas, yet... or this is good, and yet uh, it's not certain good enough to access you know, that piece of nibana. And certainly, even though much thinking you know, it, and very you know, at times very profound thinking has certainly been you know, going on. If you think of uh, you know, great inventors like uh, um, you know, Einstein, you know, then. This has contributed a lot to a better understanding of the world. However, this is not really uh, helping us with the uh, attainment or or with the realization of the ultimate uh, reality. So there is... This third category that is quite a different you know, from you know, the well-known you know, first and first two approaches, and namely an approach that proceeds you know, through you know, sitting still, not reading books, not you know, uh, particularly encouraging you know, the thinking. And certainly also not certainly through debate and the like. And it the amazing thing is that through simply patiently observing whatever predominant object occurs in the body and certainly in the mind, that then a great, a gradual and great transformation takes place. And the transformation is in terms of well, our understanding, in terms of our views of things, in terms of our knowledge about certain things. It is in this regard that the Buddha has spoken on wisdom as is recorded in Dhammapada, verse 282. And the English translation is given as follows. Indeed, wisdom is born of meditation. Without meditation, wisdom is lost. Knowing this twofold path of gain and loss of wisdom, one should conduct oneself so that wisdom may increase. Now, there are many different kinds of knowledge around and in the world, and what we want to deal with today is that knowledge, intuitive knowledge, or wisdom that consists in insight knowledge associated with. Profitable consciousness or, to put it differently, associated with wholesome uh, consciousness. Now, sometimes... Especially when we're new to the meditation, then we might suddenly get confused by all these many terms that are being used in the context of knowledge or wisdom. Now, Terms such as non-delusion would mean the same thing as wisdom. Or understanding is another synonym for wisdom. Then investigation of states would be a synonym for wisdom. And can you think of other uh, applicable terms? That you've heard of. Well, in the context of you know, the Eightfold Noble term, Path, which term is used? Right, right view, right understanding. There you go. And so, you know, then you know, we have, uh, you know, well, you know, the you know, discriminative you know, knowledge, then... You know, already mentioned uh, you know, during the outset of uh, you know, the retreat, you know, there's uh, you know, the incipient of knowledge known as clear comprehension, sampajanya in Pali, and then uh, we have uh, the power of wisdom, we have the faculty of wisdom, and then we have wisdom like a sword, and then we have wisdom like a light. And uh, then, yeah, these are the major uh, ones. Oh, and then we also have uh, vision, namely vijja in the Pali uh, scriptural uh, language. Non-bewilderment would be another uh, term. Non-bewilderment, non-confusion, non-delusion. Now this certain knowledge, intuitive knowledge or intuitive Vatna wisdom, in the Vistudimaga, the path of Vatna purification, has been classified in different ways and firstly as having the characteristic of penetrating the individual essences of states, and so in that sense, it is of one kind. And this certainly then leads us to the classical fourfold definition of intuitive knowledge or wisdom, as Satne, first of all, having or knowing things as they really are, and its characteristic of Satna knowledge is certainly as penetrating things according to their intrinsic nature, essential nature. Now, what does this mean in practice? To start with the opposite, Mm -hmm. namely, we sit in meditation with eyes closed, we follow the instructions, and we observe the rising and falling movement of the abdomen. And suddenly so then you know, we sit there and suddenly so, you know, we we're not really mindful, we daydream. And suddenly so then all you know, that is so, you know, being you know, known about, so, or you know, you glimpsed about so, you know, the rising is that so, when it occurs, it rises. And when the you know, falling occurs, it f- falls. Or sometimes even less than this, there's just some movement there. And so, you know, one doesn't quite know, it, you know whether it's a movement of maybe a muscle or you know, the abdomen or something else. So, and then in the case of a pain, you know, such an absent-minded daydreaming, meditator would say, "Well, you know, there's a pain there, but it's not, you know, there's no problem. It's not a problem." And so. You know, so you know, such a statement does it really reveal, you know, penetrating the intrinsic or essential nature of the pain? Not really. So, you know, penetrating things according to their intrinsic nature means that, in the case of uh, pain, you know, that we observe it carefully and suddenly then we know. Okay, this. Is suddenly not suddenly a throbbing pain, but rather a burning pain, and suddenly then, as we keep observing the pain, we then observe it carefully, and then we come to know that suddenly the intensity of the burning pain is suddenly increasing. And then we also come to know that this burning pain spreads out over a larger area. And then we come to know that this burning pain well, uh, it intensifies, it spreads out over a larger uh, area, then uh, it decreases in its uh, intensity, then it contracts, and eventually it's gone. So, we now uh, come to know uh, its uh, uh, well, transitory nature, so, uh, the impermanent certain characteristic of it. And so, uh, then if some other pain occurs at a different time in our sitting and suddenly we then carefully observe it and suddenly we know, okay, this time around, or or this pain, is of a different nature, namely it's solid, hard, rock hard, and then when observing it for quite some time, gradually it starts breaking apart, and it breaks apart into Parts of hardness, and then when we focus on one part of uh, hardness, this too breaks up into smaller bits and pieces, and so on. So, and then eventually, the this hard pain then vanishes altogether. So, this would be knowing a a second pain as being quite different from the first pain, and so in this way we know. know, Well, the essential nature, the specific quality of an object. Now, the function of intuitive wisdom or intuitive Furtner knowledge is certainly given as to illuminate the objective Furtner field like a lamp. So in other words, its function is to dispel darkness. Now, darkness is certainly uh, said to be uh, present when uh, the n- mental defilements conceal uh, the es- individual essences of uh, objects. And certainly, uh, so when mental defilements are uh, present, uh, then we cannot. So, correctly uh, say that uh, wisdom intuitive wisdom is suddenly uh, present. Intuitive wisdom occurs uh, when ignorance is absent and when ignorance is absent all other uh, mental defilements are also absent. And so um, when uh, wisdom is certainly uh, present, then its function is uh, to remove uh, that darkness of an unknowing, and certainly so, you know, thus, you know, we clearly you know, see an object as it you know, really is, and so. In the course of our meditation practice, we all start at point uh, zero and uh, at that point we don't know very much at all. And so uh, we're uh, basically in the dark about uh, the nature of uh, formations. But then if we keep carefully observing uh, formations as they uh, happen gradually, uh, we uh, then get a better uh, understanding. And certainly, so the manifestation of intuitive knowledge or intuitive wisdom is certainly given as non delusion, non bewilderment, and non confusion. And certainly, so if previously, if previously we were not so sure whether a self exists or not. After a while of practice, the answer comes up and we know at least at times the self is certainly not really existing. It's just a concept. Now, can you think from your own practice of another example of a dispelling of non-bewilderment, non-delusion, non-confusion? practical um, example. How at first there was delusion, and then uh, you know, a so-called aha uh, experience took place. Yes, Bakli? Well, thoughts really don't require that there's ownership. Ah, yes, indeed. And so, so, for you, this was a major uh, turning point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good. And anything else? Nama Rupa. No. The, yes. In which sense? Yeah. Just, just to see the, the separation. You... Yes. Okay. Good. Any, anything else? I like the example that uh, Juanita gives of a, a line across uh, a road mm-hmm. as you approach it. Breaks up into uh, undulation, looks like a snake. Yes, it's still closer. You see that it's a line of ants. Yes, so, so, uh, uh, as approaching it, the closer you get to it, uh, the more you see it clearly. Yes. Indeed, and the Venerable you know, then you know, takes it even a step further by you know, saying, when you go even closer, you know, then you see you know, that it's not just a line of ants, but uh, you see the individual ants. I know. And so, so um, that certain so, uh, illustration uh, then uh, applied to the meditation practice means that uh, you know, our understanding. Or knowledge about an object at first sight may be one thing. So we see an object in a let's say rather you know, compact manner, and suddenly then, as we go, you know, as we observe this object so, you know, uh, more more you know, closely, you know, then our understanding of it, our knowledge of it, you know, you know, changes quite a bit, and we see it in a different way, right? Okay, that's certainly uh, an important point. Certainly uh, too. So it is in these different ways that uh, um, well, this non bewilderment, non delusion, non confusion happens, and so um, each of uh, these discoveries that certainly uh, you have mentioned, and so many uh, more. Will gradually contribute you know, to uh, a general you know, transformation. And so with this, then our you know, way of seeing formations and our way of relating to formations you know, changes fundamentally, and so, you know, all of this culminates in you know, the experience of uh, you know, well, the noble path for, you know, knowledge and fresh knowledge you know, taking place. Now the proximate mm, cause, the nearest cause for you know, the arising of uh, intuitive wisdom or knowledge, is given as concentration, as a unification of uh, the mind. Now, in the context of the enlightenment factors, you know, the proximate cause you know, for the arising of uh, um, you know, this investigation of states, which is a form of wisdom, uh, is given as uh, um well, continued wise or wise attention to you know, the development of intuitive wisdom. Now, it is such, you know, important to understand that by intuitive wisdom, we don't, especially at the beginning, we don't necessarily mean something very, very great. Or something uh, near very esoteric, and uh, we don't have to you know, think you know, that it's certainly something that certainly is well handed down to us suddenly by you know, the grace of some you know, supreme being. It it, rather it is something that we have to develop step by step and it starts with very simple things so closely observing the rising and falling movement of the abdomen and then coming to know its nature or observing maybe hardness somewhere in the body and coming to know its nature and then let's say some mental an object comes up, and we then carefully observe it, and we come to know: okay, this is sudden sleepiness, or we come to know: let's say the mind is thinking, so we know this is sudden thinking, and so on and so forth. So it starts from very simple, from very simple level, and gradually our intuitive wisdom becomes more and more penetrative. And more and more complex certain things are uh, understood until finally, you know, then you know, uh, an intuitive understanding or knowledge or wisdom of, uh, ultimate, certain of the ultimate reality of uh, nibbana uh, is uh, there. Now, the. Path of purification, then classifies that knowledge in yet another way. We won't have time to go into all of these different ways, but this second one is certainly useful in the context of our discussion. Namely, it says, intuitive knowledge is of two kinds. And can you think, do you have an idea of what those two kinds could be? Very simple, namely as mundane uh, intuitive knowledge and certainly then as super mundane. So making the distinction between these two, um, under normal circumstances, Before we have realized path and certain fruition, noble path and fruition knowledge, we will operate. The mind will operate in the field of mundane wisdom, and um, and then. Yes, so, or and this will be connected with mm, coming to know, you know the nature of you know, the seeing, you know, some you know, seeing process, some hearing process, smelling, tasting, touching, and certain knowing you know, process, and different from this is the supramundane kind of knowledge which is a term for the four paths and four for fruition connected with the attainment of stream entry and then once return non-return and sotnitt and so and, and then nibbana as Satna the ninth Now, the classification of intuitive knowledge or wisdom as threefold we've actually discussed at the very outset of this talk, namely dividing knowledge as uh, um, knowledge based on thinking, knowledge based on hearing, and then knowledge based on uh, mental development. Now. A number of factors have been proposed in the text by the Buddha as contributing to the arising of intuitive wisdom. And they are, in the Pani scriptural language, referred to as Panya Patilabha Karana, And what do you think, from your experience? What are major factors that contribute to the arising of uh, intuitive wisdom, or to the acquisition of intuitive wisdom? Yes, Buckley. Tranquility. Tranquility. Yes. What else, Susan? What's that? Continuity, yes. Continuity of what? Of thinking. Ah, of mindfulness. Yes, indeed. And then, what else? So, tranquility, mindfulness. Concentration. Concentration yes. And, Buckley? You mentioned investigation. Investigation, yes. Bill? Ah, effort also is necessary. Yes, indeed. And? Anything else? Seal. No, 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 Seal, yes, said Doris Kwan-Kurang. And Peter? I was going to say observation also, that comes under uh, investigation. Of the yes. Okay. So, now. Uh, the Buddha uh, proposes uh, various uh, uh, things, various factors uh, that contribute uh, to uh, the arising of uh, uh, wisdom. First of all, a uh, uh, very short uh, discourse um, from the uh, fifth collection, or from the fifth volume of the Nikaya, uh, section 411. And uh, there it says, because bhikkhunis and late meditators, these four things, when developed and cultivated, lead to greatness of wisdom. What for? And the first one is, in very general terms, association with the text says here superior persons. So, persons who've gained the Dhamma. And sub- then, secondly, hearing the true Dhamma. And then, number three, careful attention to it. And then, number number f- careful attention is number three. And number four is practice in accordance with the Dhamma. So... Mm, When you know, we are you know, mostly interested you know, to have fun in life, you know, then we will go to places like Disneyland and uh, you know, then we you know, might spend spend you know, our time you know, just enjoying. And so, you know, we might or the thought of maybe going to a monastery and approaching some wise person there, or going to a meditation centre and then approaching some teacher there, this thought might not even cross our mind. And so, not associating, or by going to Disneyland, then are you likely to get to hear the true Dhamma there? Uh, obviously not. And so association with the wise or superior persons is an important first step. And then hearing the true dhamma, it seems like a very simple statement. Now there are obstructions nonetheless. So if you happen to be, or, if one happens to be one of those Brahmins at the time of the Buddha who were so strongly conceited and so conceited about themselves and their the high social status and their knowledge and so on, then this would, even though they would be hearing the Dhamma, uh, they would not really um, hear what is being uh, said, and so you know, the hearing would not go really deep. The pride and conceit would simply you know, then you know, be or you know, represent a barrier you know, there, and so, uh, so you know, you know, there would be no absorption of uh, the dhamma. Now, hearing the dhamma is an important point. However, this is not good enough. So we go to, let's say, the Dhamma lecture. Yes, we do hear the Dhamma, but we are mentally distracted and we think what's going to be for dinner tonight, and then we'll think what we'll do later on in the evening, and then what we will do the next day, and so on and so forth. So we're hearing the Dhamma, but we're not really paying close attention to it. So careful attention is another point. We really have to, as the Buddha says, lend an ear to the Dhamma. Now, in the presence of those first three factors, um, all is well, but there are those many, many, many people who then choose not to implement what has been uh, just taught. And so so, then there is, um, you will find such uh, people happily perform acts of generosity, they'll happily observe the eight precepts, and then... When it comes to the actual practice of the Dhamma, they'd say you know, to spend just one single day in retreat, they say, sorry, you know, this will be for my next lifetime. And so, and so it does certainly require a certain willingness to actually you know, then um, practice in accordance uh, with the Dhamma. So when these four uh, factors are uh, fulfilled, then uh, we're heading in the right direction. Now these four factors are still uh, uh, very general in uh, nature. The points that you have uh, mentioned earlier on are uh, much more uh, specific. Now, in the Samyutta Nikaya, in its first collection, there is the short Satna discourse entitled Chandan or Chandana, and the relevant Satna verse, or two verses were mentioned during the opening talk at the beginning of of the retreat. And what were the qualities mentioned there by the Buddha? Do you remember? Saka? Ah, no, no, even prior to that. So the verse on the verse uttered by the Buddha to the devata, the young devata chandana. What does one need to do to find a good certain hold and to cross over the, the floods so difficult to cross? Yes, Bill? Yeah, and clearly comprehending. Yes, one needs to be ardent. Clearly comprehending is not mentioned there. Upright? Uh-huh. Oh, upright, that's all from the, yeah, that's from the Metta Sutta. Well. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> indeed. And so, so, we need to... First of all, Doris mentioned one point early on. We need to be established in virtue, and then we need to, the mind needs to be well concentrated, and then also and then furthermore we need certain ardent energy atapa in the Pali scriptural language, and then also we need to be resolute. When those factors are not present, then intuitive or then we will be endowed by wisdom. So that's uh, another way of uh, giving uh, some essential uh, qualities that contribute to uh, the arising of intuitive uh, wisdom. (laughs) Now, there is uh, the so-called certain stock passage, uh, which uh, has been referred to as as describing the gradual path of training. And uh, uh, In this passage, the Buddha describes the following factors, namely, the first hearing of the Dhamma, based on which some initial faith arises. And so, now, this now, then leads to right thoughts, such as uh, thoughts of renunciation. And so, now, then now, this in turn, now, or the next now, step, now, then now, consists in now, well, take, now, taking the precepts and living according to the precepts. And so, now, then now, the next step is so, now, restraint of the senses, Indriya Samara Sila. And so, now, then with the help of, uh, um, yeah, with the help of mindfulness and suddenly you know, then clear comprehension, we you know, then overcome you know, the hindrances, you know, or, or no, sorry, you know, we then require you know, mindfulness and clear comprehension, and suddenly you know, then when the hindrances come up, you know, through. Through effort, through mindfulness, and through concentration, we then overcome those sudden hindrances. And certain concentration then becomes full concentration. And certainly, this eventually will lead to the arising of intuitive insight. Now, in the 10th. In the tenth collection of discourses from the Samyutta Nikaya, section or Sutta twelve, we have one question um, verse, attributed to Alawaka, and then in response to this, the Buddha gives a reply. So there are several questions. We just go into the first question. Namely, how does one gain wisdom? And to this, the Buddha answers placing faith in the Dhamma of the Arahants for the attainment of Nibbana. From desire to learn, one gains wisdom. If one is diligent and astute And the corresponding Nepali for this is Saddahano Arahatam Dhammam Nibbana Patiya Sususam Labate Panyam Apamato Vichakano. Now, the Saratapakasini, which is certainly the commentary to the Samyutta Nikaya, explains certainly this. As certainly, well, placing faith in the buddha sorry—in the Dhamma of in in the Dhamma by which the arahants, the Buddhas, the Buddhas, and certain disciples attained Nib- nibbāna, and it is. Out of faith, that one then approaches a teacher, lends an ear, and hears you know, the Dhamma. And so, you know, so then, lending an ear and hearing the Dhamma, one then gradually gains a desire you know, to learn. So one wants to learn more more about it. And so, this desire to learn probably is of two meanings, to learn to, you know, theoretically, but also you know, to learn you know, in you know, practice or through you know, practice. And so, you know, as there is this desire to learn, one then gains certain wisdom. However, this also Requires that one be diligent, apamato in you know, the Pali scriptural language, and certainly you know, that one you know, be constantly mindful and certainly you know, astute and able you know, to distinguish what is well spoken and what is not that well you know, spoken. So to uh, differentiate what is uh, really essential and what not. And it sure seems to me that Satya, the Venerable Sadhu Pandita Bhivamsa, when he speaks of the factors, frequently speaks of the factors that contribute to the arising of wisdom, he has made use of this passage, and he says that first there needs to be faith. Based on faith, there will be a desire to practice. With this Satya then, one will aim the one's attention at or one's mind carefully at the object some effort will be there so with effort certainly the mind will be propelled towards the object this then results in mindfulness and when mindfulness is present over along or sustained then it results in concentration and Then concentration uh, leads to uh, the arising of uh, wisdom. So what we uh, find in all of uh, these certain cases, uh, wisdom is certainly the result or uh, the end product of uh, a series of other uh, steps that we need to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that we need to pass through, or certain qualities mm, that we need to mm, develop. And so, mm, for instance, in the last case, case, when faith is present, a desire to practice is there, aiming and effort is there, mindfulness and concentration are there, mm, then mm, intuitive wisdom is the natural outcome of mm, this. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then you don't actually need to do that much Shatna anymore. However, if one of those earlier factors is missing, and missing here could mean missing just for a moment or two, then for that moment or two, intuitive wisdom will not be present. Now, since we are living in a fast-moving world, we might also be tremendously interested in having uh, or in a fast acquisition of intuitive wisdom. So, the Bhatisamida you Magga, know, the path of discrimination, you know, gives Satna some interesting aspects in this certain regard. Namely, it says there are certain. Certain factors that lead to a state of quick understanding, and those are quickly perfecting virtue. So you come to a retreat, you take the precepts, and then from day onwards, you will not bring you will not break the precepts a single time, and, so, and then. The second factor is quickly perfecting restraint of the senses. And so without much uh, um, encouragement from the teacher, you you hear restraint of the senses, it makes sense to you, and suddenly you apply it right away. And suddenly then you no longer know the other meditators on retreat. And so... And then quickly perfecting the knowledge of the right amount in what? It comes as a surprise. Right amount in eating. Now, when we are new on a retreat, New on a retreat, and also new to the meditation practice. Then, around certain food, we oftentimes we make mistakes. And during the early days, because the practice is so difficult, so much physical, and mental suffering is coming up. The well, the result of this is what: eating less or more, overeating. And then you know, when we overeat, you know, the result of this is a sloth and torpor. There you go. And then on, other, on some other occasion, we might say, okay, now I've learned a serious lesson here about not eating too much. And then one decides to eat very little. And as a result of this, one ends up with a hungry stomach around six or seven o'clock in the evening. So that satna then won't work either. So it is by way of experimenting a little bit that satna one then gradually finds the right balance in terms of food, neither taking too much of it nor too little. Now, the Magga, uh, then you know, you know, yet gives a number of other points, such as quickly perfecting devotion to wakefulness, jagariya, and so really assuring that one spends most of one's time not. Uh, overwhelmed by sloth and torpor, drowsiness and nodding head, but rather with a wakeful mindset that is wakeful. And suddenly then quickly perfecting the Dhamma of virtue, quickly perfecting the Dhamma of concentration, quickly perfecting the Dhamma of liberation, and then the Dhamma of knowledge and vision of liberation. And so, you know, followed by you know, concentration, is actually you know, quickly perfecting the Dhamma of uh, you know, wisdom, and this sudden, you know, then in turn, you know, after liberation, will lead to the, the Dhamma of knowledge and vision of liberation. Now, when an intuitive knowledge or uh, uh, um, wisdom has uh, arisen in our uh, meditation practice, uh, then it usually performs a certain function. So uh, this happens not uh, just uh, without uh, any, uh, any effect, but certainly uh, there will be effect. And so, so to give you uh, some uh, very obvious example. You, before going deeply, you experience a pain, it's rather compact. Other formations also seem rather compact. And up to that point, you're somewhat certainly convinced that formations are rather permanent in nature. Now... Then, eventually, upon a closer observation of formations, then the intuitive knowledge or understanding arises, that an object like a pain or the rise and fall or any other object undergoes changes, many changes, and this understanding of or intuitive knowledge of impermanence, then we'll abandon the perception of permanence, Nietzsche, sanya, in the Pali scriptural language. By the same token, if previously we thought that all formations are conducive to happiness or to pleasure, and when we then, in a very direct manner, see that formations are conducive to you know, suffering or unsatisfactoriness, then you know, this contemplation of suffering you know, then abandons the perception of pleasure, sukrat, nesanya. The same you know, thing you know, then also applies to you know, you know, gaining, um, gaining an understanding or contemplating non-self, or you know, understanding non-self, and suddenly with this, you know, uh, it abandons the wrongful perception of a self. No, at a later point in the practice, a meditator might be contemplating um, or experiencing you know, that formations are rather you know, disenchanting, and so, you know, this then, in turn, will abandon. Will perform which function? It will abandon what? You no, close to it. What's that? Greed. Greed. Uh, yes. Well, you know, the texts are more specific, namely, delight. So, Seeing formations as disenchanting, somewhat getting disappointed with formations, abandons our taking delight in formations. And there's much more of this delighting in formations than we normally think. Now, this unfolding of intuitive uh, wisdom or knowledge does not happen in a haphazard manner, but rather in a a very systematic manner, and there is, if you like, to a certain logic to the whole thing of the pasna. Logic one. One intuitive knowledge builds on the preceding one, and the first two, or based on the first two, then the third one will arise, and based on the first three, then the fourth uh, intuitive knowledge will arise. Now, the Buddha in you know, Dhammapada, verse 200, you know, makes an interesting you know, statement about you know, wisdom, the correlation between wisdom and happiness. And so, he says, namely, indeed, We live very happily without any anxiety. And living without any anxiety means without, in this context, without greed, without ill will and ignorance. Like the uh, certain kind of Brahmas, we shall live on delightfulness, satisfaction, beauty as our food. So indeed we live very happily without any uh, greed ill will and certain uh, ignorance so you know, being free from greed mm, mm, ill will and ignorance means you know, that certain uh, wisdom is there and certainly uh, so in the presence of certain wisdom then happiness has a chance certainly uh, to arise and so just certainly uh, think of it when on a temporary basis your your mind is free or purified of mm, mental defilements such as pride and conceit, such as restlessness, such as wrong views and shamelessness and sloth and torpor and so on. Then, um, in the absence of those, well, then a certain A degree of contentment will be there, happiness will be there, you will not be plagued. And keep in mind that mental uh, defilements are said to torment. So in other words, they are conducive to suffering. So if uh, we truly want to find happiness yeah, then uh, it's good yeah, to develop as to purify the mind as much as possible and develop as much wisdom as uh, possible Now briefly and i think i've stated uh, this already yeah, there is a certain interdependence between intuitive wisdom and satnesila yeah, so Being established in uh, seal, ensuring that our uh, physical and verbal uh, conduct is uh, uh, pure, uh, then uh, contributes uh, to uh, the arising of intuitive uh, wisdom. And uh, intuitive wisdom, in turn, uh, then uh, with a deeper understanding of uh, what is happening in the body and in. the mind will help us to uh, keep the precepts better, such as when we discover, let's say, an unwholesome intention or an intention to do something unwholesome. So being mindful of this and uh, not immediately acting on it then means that we do not transgress the precepts. Then uh, there is, uh, no, or, uh, as mentioned uh, already in uh, uh, well in earlier context, a you know, close connection between you know, concentration and uh, uh, intuitive wisdom. It is only you know, when the mind is relatively concentrated you know, that uh, intuitive wisdom can arise. And this concentration, in the context of the vipassana meditation, is based on Kanika Samadhi, namely momentary concentration. And if a meditator has done some uh, earlier Samadha practice, then that concentration would certainly contribute to an overall stronger concentration. Now, no, there's another connection here between, or there is a further connection between intuitive wisdom and faith or confidence or trust. So um, when we hear the instructions, we apply them, we carefully observe and know what's going on, and Then, and we gradually then... You know, learn to make you know, this you know, distinction between physical and mental you know, formations, then out of you know, this faith arises. And so, you know, this faith, and then, as you know, the Venerable Sadhupandita you know, Bhivamsa likes to you know, point out, you know, then leads to what? With more faith? Yes, Bill? Yes, more effort, and prior to this, you know, there will be a greater desire to practice. And so with a greater desire to practice, we will put in more effort. You know, when we put in more effort, you know, plus aiming is there, then our mindfulness will deepen and it will be more sustained, you know, from moment to moment, and uh, this in turn you know, then contributes to you know, a strengthening of uh, concentration, and this in turn then will lead to uh, into, you know, the arising of more intuitive wisdom. So please do understand there are, you know, there are very strong you know, causal you know, connections you know, um, at certain you know, work. Now. The Buddha has uh, um, given the following reflection on uh, well um, doing the practice, on uh, giving guidance, and then uh, who has to do the practice? Namely, in Dhammapada verse two hundred and seventy-six, he says, "You yourselves should make the effort." The you know, to us, namely the Buddhas, can only show the way. Those who practice tranquility and insight meditation are freed you know, from the bond of Mara, and Mara are your mental person. It's the mental. It's the personification of the mental defilements, and so. You yourself should certainly make the effort. The Tathagatas can only show the way. So, the Tathagatas, the Buddha's certainly give an outline of how to practice. And then we actually need to put in the effort ourselves. Can a Buddha or some teacher do the practice for us? Not. And can we do the practice for our parents? And can our parents do the practice for us? And can some supreme being do the practice for us, like uh, by uh, way of uh, uh, you know some gracious uh, uh, or act of grace? Can uh, wisdom be uh, bestowed? How do you say it, uh, bestowed on us? Is this possible? Not really. So please do know this very well. That intuitive wisdom arises only you know, through you know, putting in a good amount of effort. So it requires action on our you know, uh, part. And so, you know, we cannot you know, transpose this. Um, you know, to some other supreme being and you know, you know, then hoping that uh, um, you know, you know, some or other you know, we will become the beneficiary of intuitive wisdom. Now, this is important in terms of spiritual practice. There are different traditions where the emphasis is placed quite differently. And so, um as meditators um, um, and the instruction is again and again given please do make effort yourselves the overall result of this will be what by me wisdom, uh, wisdom and very gradually increasing effort so you learn to make more and more and more and more effort and you also learn to rely more on yourselves and then you take the instructions by the Buddha. You implement those. You put them into practice. You make the effort, and suddenly, then you gain the results. And out of this, a certain self-confidence and trust—self-confidence arises, and also trust in the teachings arise, arises. Arises. And So so this is quite a different approach that Satna, the Buddha, is Satna pointing at. And there is another Dhammapada verse along this line where it says, be an island upon uh, yourselves. And so you have to rely on uh, yourselves. There's no one else to uh, rely uh, upon. Now, with these sudden words, suddenly, uh, no, let me can't gradually come to a conclusion, namely, may, may no, you, no, 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 no. with a better understanding of what suddenly intuitive wisdom, intuitive knowledge is all about, may no, you keep those different uh, factors that were mentioned that contribute to the arising of knowledge that lead to the acquiring or the acquisition of knowledge. May you make good use of those factors and then may more and more intuitive, transformative knowledge arise and ultimately may it causally result in the attain or in the realization of the the peace and coolness of Nibbāna. And may this happen during this retreat or some retreat in the near future. And this is it for now. And may the light of wisdom shine forth (laughs)